Well, hello. Any response out there? Hello? Hello, hello. Hopefully you guys are chatting it up on there online too. Um, it's nice when you can have a little bit of community even online. So um, like Pastor, John, or Pastor Jordan said, we are in Reno Time series, this foundation for living. This is message number three. Um, and I'm going to take you to the verse. This is the verse we've been looking at each and every week in Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Uh, we kind of based this series on this, and then we're just kind of picking some foundations each week to learn about. So uh, if you have Bibles, you can follow along. If not, it's right there on the screen for you, or you can use your electronic device if that's what you'd like. So uh, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So this passage, um, I'm sure many of you know, comes at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is full of practical instructions that Jesus is giving. Actually, Pastor John and Donna have actually been going through it on strength of the day these last couple of weeks. Um, and uh, it's some of the most famous words that Jesus ever said. And you're going to find them throughout that whole chapter, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, a few chapters. Um, but for those of you who don't know, what he's talking about in that sermon are things like, and I'm not saying all of them, but some of the things that they talk about are turning the other cheek, being the salt and the light of the world, avoiding lust and anger, not to worry, to forgive others or you won't be forgiven, not to judge others, not to do things for men's applause, but at the very end of his sermon, where this part comes in, Jesus ends this sermon with a powerful and wonderful application to our lives. Jesus wants to drive home a very important point. In order to benefit from all the wisdom that he's just given us, or in scripture, we must be like the man who built the house on the rock, rather than the one who built a house on the sand. And Jesus knows when all those people leave there, they're going to form into two different groups. The first group will listen with full intentions to obey. And the second group will politely leave with no intentions to really ever do anything, right? To obey the commands or to put them in their lives. So Jesus tells them, warns them of their future with the two different builders, the foolish builder and the wise builder. And all of us in this room are one or the other. And I think the illustration is so good because I think we can all relate to building something, right? Whether it's you're building a nice life for yourself, maybe you're um, building a future, you're building up your kids, building up your faith, uh, building a house, like physically, um, a relationship. There's just something that each of us can relate to when we're talking about building something. Um, the struggle, though, and the challenge is that the type of foundation is that is that what type of foundation are you going to actually build all of those things on? So Jesus says it's one or the other, rock or sand. So think about rock; it's strong, it's hard, it's sturdy. Jesus is like that rock. 
right? When we have Jesus in our lives and we based our lives on his word, it's like standing on that rock and he's holding us up. We won't fall down. But the sand, it's squishy. It, it moves when you walk in it. It's like the world, really. The world is just like that. It's constantly moving, constantly changing. As we try to improve our lives or to catch up, it changes again, right? Very much like sand. And when we build our lives on whatever we want, and it's not Jesus, it's not the word of God, it's like standing on sand. When life's hard and the foundation that we're standing on gets squishy, we fall down. See, the main characteristics of a wise man or a wise woman is that they're always obedient to God's word. So friends, what do we need to be building on? We need to be building on eternity. We need to be building on eternity. And guess what? Any of us can do this, right? It is what Christians, what Christ followers do. So we'll stop building up, this is what I want to encourage you, building up things, worldly things, and start building on eternity. This is why we're doing this Reno Time series. We're, we're looking at the foundation of our faith, right? So this next image, I know it came up a little soon, but it, it, it Mike Holmes. So if you're taking a look at it, you probably recognize who he is. Uh, my husband has watched enough home improvement shows over the years that I have learned, even myself, how important a strong, sturdy foundation is. This Mike Holmes, he might go overboard sometimes, but he puts everything into the foundation of that home. You see, it takes a lot more time and a lot more work to do that. This is why he's often fixing all these other builders' mistakes. He pours the concrete, he makes it strong and unmovable, one that lasts, one that will withstand these great external forces. He knows how far he has to dig, how deep he needs to dig to do that. If he doesn't, it's only a matter of time before things just start to fall apart again. The foundation holds everything together. No matter what quality of material you use, no matter how carefully you join those frames together, no matter how skilled you think you are, if the foundation isn't solid or stable, it will lack integrity. And over time, cracks develop in walls, windows start to stick, the roof starts to leak. Sooner or later, any storms that are going to hedge your way in your life will begin to bring it down, crashing down. And everything that you worked hard for, like really hard for, will be gone. You see, there may be easier ways in life to live than the Christian life, because there is. But the way Jesus is talking about is like these of Mike's home structures, right? With Jesus, we will be able to withstand these forces and these challenges that will come our way. And if Jesus is, in fact, which he is, the standard of our living, we will always have room to grow, always have room to grow spiritually. And this Christ-like holiness will show others that we're tapped in to something great and show him who we're following. So this other picture I wanna show you, or a couple pictures of the same thing. I found this article that CNN did on this. Um, it is a hurricane in Texas in 2005. And these homeowners' names are Warren and Pam Adams. And you see everything around this house is completely destroyed. 
It's beaten, it's wiped out, it's all blown over, but that one house is still standing there. Now, it may not be in the completely the exact same shape it was before the storm, but it is still standing. So what did this house have that all these other houses surrounding it didn't have? Well, they interviewed the builder of this home, and I love what he said, which is why I had to share it. He said it was built to a higher code, and that's why it stood. Hmm, a higher code. Well, shouldn't Christians be living to this higher code, right, that the builder is speaking of? So what does the higher code look like, right? Like, what does it look like? Well, the first week we talked about relationships, right, with Pastor John and Donna. Um, Last week, Pastor Jordan talked about generosity. And now this week, I'm going to talk to you about serving. And this is what we're actually called to do. If Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior, our Redeemer, came to serve we just might want to see the importance of it. See, I'm here at this church as a Christian because of you. My kids and my family are here because of you. This church and its people. I met this church in the community at Day in the Park because you decided that it was important to step up and to lead this community. And guess what? We're all leaders, right? We have influence on the city, your community, your friends, um, maybe your workplace, your family, this church. So whether you like it or not, you are a leader. You do have influence. And in order to be a great leader in all and any of these areas in your life, you need to be a great servant. So we're going to take a look at the greatest example of all, Jesus. So we're going to be in John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. I will read through it quickly, but I just kind of want to set it up a little bit for you. Okay, just to get our minds where we're at and why I think this is so important. Imagine tomorrow you're going to die. There's no question it's going to happen. You are going to die. Now, I know that's depressing a little bit, but bear with me just for a minute. Married couples, maybe you would have a special evening alone together, talking and sharing and just this awesome night. Maybe kids, your kids, you talk with them and share with them and and give them advice. Maybe you'd do something you've never done before, right? Maybe you'd go away, get on the first plane and go somewhere. Maybe you'd party all night long with your friends. Maybe you'd reach out to your mom and dad or your siblings or maybe a long-lost friend. Imagine what you would do with so little time. Like if you know your last day, like you actually know it, your last day is going to reveal so much about your character. It will reveal the depths of your soul to those that you love. It will show what's important to you. It's your last day. See, Jesus actually did know it would be his last day. He's about to die. He knows that in this scripture. 
He knew it was his last night, and it's important to know that because I believe seeing how he spent his last night shows us his heart for us. So let's read. So now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It's like my favorite part. I love that so much. So during supper, when the devil had already put into his heart of, the Ju- of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, so even though he's about to be betrayed, so he knows he's going to be betrayed, even though I abandon him, you abandon him, he'll love you till the very end. Like, praise God. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. It's important to just quickly mention that this would have been the lowest of the low jobs, right? Washing people's dirty feet as they come in. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only then, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew he was about to be betrayed. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet." For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than its master, nor is a messenger greater than one who sends him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus is not just literally talking about washing each other's feet. Okay, you could wash every single person's feet in this building right now and still be disobedient to the command of Christ. You see, Jesus is talking about serving. He's talking about service. The last night of Jesus's life, and he is serving. He's revealing the depths of his heart. He wants us to serve one another, love one another, serve our brothers and sisters, serve the church, serve his church. So yes, service is central to your faith in Christ, central to the call of Christ. But before I even talk about you serving, I think we need to talk about the hardest thing for most of us. That's allowing other people to serve you. So my first point, you need to be served. You. See, even Peter says to Jesus in this scripture, no, 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 you'll never wash my feet. Just like when we think, oh yeah, I can do this alone. I don't need you. I don't need help. I don't need you to serve me. I don't need to be blessed. 
If you really belong to Jesus, you need other believers to minister to you. If you think that you are a self-contained church, a self-contained community, or even a self-contained family, or a self-contained believer, you can do everything yourself. You figured it all out, right? You don't need anybody. You can teach your own kids. You can teach yourself. You can study alone. You don't need neighborhood groups. You don't need any encouragement. You don't need prayer times. Just you, your Bible, working on your own. You're wrong. It's just that simple. You're absolutely wrong. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to his family. You serve your family, and your family serves you. We need each other. I think this past year has taught us that. Well, I sure hope it's taught you that. We need to be real with each other and honest with each other. Share with one another. Share your life with each other. It really helps me in parenting when I have somebody else who's already been there. There's moments that I need help, right? And they know how to pray for me or they share their experiences with me. They laugh with me. They cry with me. There are moments in dating or in marriage or in heartache or loneliness or disappointment or grief, even in our finances, in our attitudes, that we need help. I need help. We need people. We just need to actually humble ourselves and ask for that help. Take that help. This allows others to come alongside you and bless you and support you. See, Jesus says to Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't belong to me. So Peter right away said, okay then, then wash everything. We have people in our church who love you. Because they love Jesus so much. They love you. And they want to come alongside you. They want to help you. They want you to be part of their groups. Because we can't do everything ourselves. I don't know about you, but I've tried. And it doesn't work. So my second point, you are gifted to serve. So the world may have a very warped view on what being gifted actually looks like. Or we spend so much time comparing ourselves to one another, and sometimes it makes us feel like we're not good enough, maybe even worthless, but Satan loves to whisper in your ear that you're not good enough, or you don't have time, you just can't make it work, or because of COVID, I can't help, or you can't bless anybody, or they won't even notice if I don't go. Every single person here is gifted by God to serve people. Every one of you. Romans 12, four to nine, I love this and I think it explains it the best. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. 
If God has given you leadership abilities, take those responsibilities seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. See, I actually found my gifts by serving. I found my gifts by serving and then actually being served. It's all part of my testimony. And, and I can't go into it enough, but most of these people are still in this church. It was Iris, the very first person I met at Day in the Park. It was Evan, who was leading tonight. He led that first Saturday that I walked into this building. It was being greeted by Barry and Stella. It was children's ministry, Pastor Shauna and the kids team pouring into my kids. It was Amanda and Ryan working in the nursery with my crazy children. It was Pastor Jordan and Nicole welcoming Paige into their youth program. And my baptism. John and Mary Jo Morin were sitting in the front row. Many of you probably know who they are. And I'll never forget, right before I dunk, got dunked in the water, what he said. He said, we prayed for you to be here. I'll never forget that moment. This church, you, prayed for my family to be here. It's changed our entire lives. So it was me and my family who started working in the nurseries, serving the kids, uh, meeting all of you, and starting to fall in love with all of you. It was coming to prayer and fasting nights. It was going to prayer meetings, even when I felt uncomfortable. It was Alpha, Tim and Val led Alpha, and my first group. I had a couple first groups, and it was Shannon and Gail and Daryl. Like Some of these people are in the room right now. Helen and Bruce, who opened up their homes to me, opened up their hearts to me, praying for us and coming alongside us. See, I'm still here today because of them. Still. Because you know what? They were pouring this firm foundation into my life. The pastoral leaders are great. We love them but they can't do it alone. I'm here because of you, the people of the neighborhood church, not, not because of them. It was those groups, it was serving with people, it was supporting each other, having fun together. Uh, they loved me when I knew nothing about the Bible. They never treated me differently. So if that's your fear, I'm gonna tell you right now, if that's your fear that you don't know enough or you're scared to pray out loud, I'm telling you that's Satan. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter, just show up, just show up. And your journey and your gifts may not be the same as mine. I get that, or the person sitting next to you, but I only discovered them by serving and letting others serve me. This is my family. You, whether you like it or not, are my family. 
even online. It's like a new extended family. And on my last day, I pray that I'm still serving you and loving you to the end. Just like he did. This slide. Saved people serve people. Say it with me. Type it in the comments. Saved people serve people. Like, hear those words. What I want us to grasp tonight that is that we're put on this earth to make a contribution. We have to put our faith into action. But I also don't want you to hear what I'm saying is like harsh and tense and, and super duper sharp, right? Or me preaching at you, right? This should be all of us like rallying around each other and holding each other accountable. Because I want to tell you what the realistic truth is of the church. In our church, in the church as a whole, 20% of the church is doing 80% of the work. Did you hear that? 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. And do you know how sad that is? We are a great church with great people. Could you imagine if we flipped that number? Could you imagine? God has amazing things planned for this church and for you, but we need people to share in the work. And I know what usually happens here, which you might already be at this point, so I probably should have said it sooner, but um, be like, oh, this is just like another one of those serving messages, right? Like, oh, here we go again. Just like last week we had giving message and now we have serving message, right? Or maybe some of you will start to feel guilty that you don't do enough. Okay, fine, Pastor Yasmin, I'll sign up for something. I'll help with the kids, whatever. Sure, fine, I'll usher, I'll greet, whatever. But you know what? That's just the absolute last thing I want. It's the absolute last thing I want. I hear people all the time telling me that, you know, I've been meaning to serve at the church, but I just haven't found the time. I'm not sure where to plug in. Or, I'm sorry, I'm going to get my stuff figured out. I'm going to get things balanced and my life sorted. And then I promise, I promise, just email me. And I usually don't get an answer back. During COVID, there's lots of online options. You don't, if you're not comfortable coming here, that's fine. We have stuff that you can do from home. We have things from the distance. But I tell you that because it's really meaningless and really pointless if you do it out of guilt or you feel like you're being forced into it. See, in Galatians 5:13, it says, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Serve one another in love. And not just in love, but through love. Our love of Jesus, right? Because when you so love someone, you know, when you're like in that crazy honeymoon phase, when you just totally are in love with somebody, you don't mind serving them. You'll do anything for them. 
Pastor Jordan talked about it a little bit with him and his wife with generosity. It wasn't just this chore, this obligation. It was something he wanted to do because he loved her, loves her. And that's why this verse is saying, it says to serve one another. So it's through this channel of love or because you were so in love with them. See, that's why we don't want you to just serve out of obligation. We shouldn't need to beg. And I really hope that's not how you feel, that serving the church, serving your community, serving people, you need to do it out of love, not out of obligation, or there's no reward. I'll give you an illustration. So Valentine's Day has never really been my thing. I don't get it, I don't understand it, I kinda don't really like it, so. But when Dustin and I first started dating, I really felt like I had to do something every Valentine's Day, right? This is before I actually told him the truth, right? So it's like I just kept, you know, I have to do this. And I'd actually start to get kind of annoyed at Valentine's Day, because I'm like, okay, like, I gotta go find a lame card and, some chocolates and a gift, and like maybe we'll go for dinner on the busiest day of the year. Um, and it just felt like an obligation. But see, our anniversary when we were dating, I don't know if you have dated people, but you're like counting down every week, every month, every year, right? You're really keeping track of how long you've been together. You're looking forward to it. And one anniversary, so I was always really excited about our anniversaries, I decided to make him a mixtape. Any of you who don't know what that is, it's like a playlist, but it's a lot harder <laughs> to do, okay? Or maybe you had old CDs or whatever. So I decided I was gonna make him a mixtape. So that's what the mixtapes look like. This is like, you know, my, my jam back then, you know? Um, but, and I actually had to have a double cassette player in order to do this, right? Like there's quite skill involved here, okay? And anyone who's laughing, you totally get what I'm talking about. So anyways, I would listen, like I was listening for months on the radio because you don't just like download the song, right? I don't have every single tape. So I would listen for months on the radio, finding our favorite songs or songs that reminded me of him. Um, and I would record them so I could make this whole tape of music. I had love songs on there, our favorite songs. I found ones that had like our nicknames in it, uh, funny songs, and I decorated the tape. It was all lovey-dovey on the outside, and I surprised him with it. And, <laughs> no, this is good, it's good, it's good. We, and, and, and when we talked about like the heart last week with generosity, like it being the heart, not this obligation. Serving is the same. It's your heart. We don't want you to be guilted into it. See, my Valentine's gift, that was obligation. I took care of it. It was meaningless. It was pointless. I was just doing it because I was supposed to. But the mixtape was such an awesome moment because I'd poured so much of my heart into something and it was just all about our relationship, all about our lives, and I just loved presenting it to him. Very different than Valentine's Day. Very different. You know, where I just thought, well, let me just take care of it. Let's just kind of figure out a way to get through this holiday and make him happy. Just 
totally pointless. And the other was my whole heart. It was my whole heart. In the same way, it's meaningless when we just go, well, whatever, I guess I have to serve. I should, I should serve God. Let me just get it over with and, you know, do whatever they need me to do versus us saying this. God, I am just so crazy in love with you. Like, I love you and I love the gifts you've given me and the people that you've given me. I love everything that I am and all of my life experiences that I've been through. I'm gonna somehow package it into this little package and use that to serve you. I'm gonna present that to you. That's why we don't ever want you to go, oh, there's the offering plates, you know, it's generosity weekend, I'll just throw a couple bucks extra in because, you know, the guy next to me did or they told me I should. It's just pointless when you do it that way. Do we appreciate it? Of course. But it should be something where you've come here, you're excited, You've thought this through, and you're, God, you're so worth so much to me that my time and my passion and my efforts and my finances, whatever, I'm just so crazy about you. You're so good to me. That's the meaning of we serve one another in love. That. All of that. We serve God and people out of that. This crazy, crazy love we have for God, the generosity that he's given us. When I started serving, I loved it. So I might be a special case, but I absolutely loved serving here. I had so much fun, it was so fulfilling. And I realized something back then that has always stuck in my mind, and I want it to be in yours. I realize that serving is actually the God dream. What if serving is the God dream? Bear with me. What if helping other people is actually the biggest dream you could ever live your life for? Because one day when you get to heaven, guess what God's not going to say? Well done, my good and faithful dreamer. Well done, my good and faithful billionaire. Well done, my good and faithful CEO. Well done, my faith, you name it. The greatest title you will ever have is well done, my good and faithful servant. Servant. And you can just imagine the disciples at this time, like just so confused. They've been waiting for this Messiah, right? This Savior who's going to like overthrow the Roman Empire. They're waiting for someone to stop the oppression. Like the Romans are hurting us, Jesus. We're counting on you to take charge, to ride in on that horse. Tell us what to do. We'll fight, we'll fight, we'll fight. And instead, Jesus says, you want to be great? You want to live the God dream? You want to do great exploits? Serve others. 
serve. Well, where? Here. When? Now. How? 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 See the need and meet it. See the hurt and heal it. Pretty simple. Well, what? I thought, I thought we're here to be great and awesome people. And this is how you be great. By serving others. In the late 1700s, there was this man who was riding on his horse through the wilderness on the east coast of the United States. And he was coming amongst a group of soldiers that were in the middle of the road trying to move this huge, big tree. And had fallen down right in the pathway where they had to get through. They had all their goods and they're carrying all types of equipment and the soldiers couldn't get through. So they got off their horses and they're trying to move this tree. And their corporal, their commander, is shouting these orders at them. And he's like, come on, men, move it. Hee, haw. They're trying to move this big tree. And from a distance, there's this man on his own horse, a stranger who's just watching. He got up and talked to the officer and said, sir, like, why aren't you helping them? The officer looked at the man. He's like, me? Well, I'm the corporal here, like I'm in charge. So the man on the horse said, okay then, and he got off his horse, got down there right with that group of soldiers. Okay, boys, I'm gonna help you. On the count of three, one, two, three, and they moved the tree with just one extra man's help. Just one. The stranger got back on his horse, and he looked at the corporal, and he looked at the soldiers, and he said, next time, that you need, next time your men need help, just call on the commander-in-chief. I'll be there. They didn't realize it was George Washington himself that got off that horse and helped those men. And if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. God didn't call us to live the God dream at the expense of not serving others. The God dream is serving others. The God dream is to help others. What if that book that you're dreaming of writing one day, that you're dreaming that you get published, what if that business that you're starting, what if the money you wanna make, what if the house you wanna buy, what if the marriage that you long for, or the children you long for, you know those really deep, deep things in your heart. What if they aren't just about you? What if they're actually about helping others when you're in those things that happen to you? What if that house that you just bought was meant to house a group or to bring people in and feed them or to just love people? Because one day, Jesus is going to be up in heaven, and I picture it now, and say, oh yeah, you lived the God dream. And I'll be like, what? What are you talking about, I lived the God dream? No. Well, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When COVID hit, you sent financial aid. You dropped groceries off at my house. When I was a kid, you were one of my children's leaders at Kids Church. When I was a teenager and youth, you cared about me and didn't just write me off as some punk teenager. When I was on the street, you helped me out. 
what you did for the least of these, you did to me, Jesus will say. And by that, you've lived the God dream. What if the God dream isn't about all those other things, whether it's money, toys, houses, cars? What if, this is a hard one, what if the God dream is measured by how many people you serve? Worship team, you can come up as I wrap up. What if the God dream is measured by how many people you serve? I was like, oh, I don't know why that blew my mind, but it did. What if it isn't about you? What? Let's talk about Joseph for a second as the worship team comes up. Joseph this guy had a pretty hard time. Anyone who knows his story, he was accused for things that he didn't do. He was thrown in prison. He was beaten up by his brothers. He told his dream a little too soon. Said, you guys are all going to bow down to me. And they didn't like that idea. What was Joseph's dream all about? Was it about making Joseph this superhero? Was it about Joseph helping himself? Was it all about Joseph? No. Joseph's dream, if you read the story, the whole dream, the whole God dream Joseph had was about saving the nation of Egypt, saving his family's household, and helping out other nations that were in distress. The dream God has for your life is not so you can be awesome. I know that sounds harsh, but that's not his dream. Because the more awesome that you want to be, the smaller you've got to be. The greater you want to be, the smaller you've got to be. You want to be a leader? You want to get higher? You've got to get lower. See, the kingdom of God is upside down. We've been talking about that completely upside down. But can I encourage you? Find a church and get involved. Some of you, this is that church. This is your church. Some of you are still deciding. Maybe some of you online are just checking us out. Maybe you haven't even been here yet. But I want to tell you that you'll get the most out of the church that you show up and you serve in and you participate in and you give in and you lean in and you be a part of. So if this is it, awesome. I love it. If the neighborhood church is your home, awesome. But... Don't just be a spectator. Don't just be a consumer. Don't just come and receive it. Come to give. Come to be involved. Come to participate in what God's doing in this community and this church. Because like I said before, saved people serve people. And just like we talked about with generosity last week, not just come here and give us money out of excess, but out of sacrifice. Giving and serving are not just these things like I have piles of money just sitting around and all this extra time sitting over here. Sometimes it requires sacrifice. Actually, almost always it requires sacrifice. So every week, which Jordan will do later after worship, we end our services with, we've had church, now go be the church. If you really think about that, if you've ever written it down, 
It's actually a very challenging message in one line. And I still remember walking in here on a Saturday night and Pastor John saying it for the very first time. And I love it. And I hold it dear to my heart. It doesn't ever get old to me. Because I'm so grateful to be a product of that line. That message. See, some of you, when you heard it, didn't just listen. You were doers of it. And I'm a product of that message, this amazing church. So I thank those people who have poured into my life this firm foundation and who washed my feet. Let's stand. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. I've said it tonight in my message. I love this church. I love these people, but I I love people in general. And Lord, I don't want anyone today to leave here feeling guilty or bad or, or preached at, Father. So I'm just asking now that you pour that encouragement into their hearts, into their minds, Father, to hear what they needed to hear tonight. We're not here to not do anything. We're here to make a difference, whether it's in our homes, in this church, in our community, Father. So stir that up and let's get creative in COVID. Like if people aren't sure what they should be doing, let's get creative and let's do something, Father. Just encourage them to come alongside, Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you for everyone here that's volunteering today, our ushers, our greeters, our little kids. Some of the kids that were worshiping, like I don't even see people worship like that. It's so amazing, Father, and and we need each other. So Lord, I just give you the rest of this time as we come before you, Father, just with everything we are, all of our gifts, all of our everything, we're just gonna lay it down right now, Father, and give it to you in worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.